Colin Palatial, UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk show for this Thursday night, February 28th, the last Thursday night in the month of February, and we're going to enter into the month of March tomorrow. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight, and we have got a special show for you this evening. We are going to be talking about the movies, the Oscars, the Academy Awards are coming up, the 86th annual Academy Awards show, hosted by, of course, Ellen, and that will be taking place on Thursday night, and tonight we're going to have a pair of guests for you. We're going to be talking to Don Mega, who also hosts them, I on the Air. It's an entertainment show, a weekly podcast covering all entertainment, and we're also going to be talking with a... Amateur movie buff, Greg Mitchell, the founder and owner of UltimateSportsTalk.com, our website here that, of course, the show is on that you're listening to here this evening. We're going to be talking about the Academy Awards, and that's going to be coming up in just a little bit for you. But also, some of the other headlines going on around the world of sports for the last week or so. Would the real Cleveland Cavaliers please stand up? They were a mess, but now they seem to be winning ball games. Also, we're going to be talking about Michael Lombardi having Cleveland Browns stationary at the Combine. Does it mean anything? The Browns also released a quell Jackson. And, as I said, we've got two outstanding guests on the show for tonight. But first... not very often, but the world of sports and government mix sometimes, and really when it happens, that's bad news for everybody. Well, that happened this week, again, in the state of Arizona. I say again because this is the second time this state has flirted with losing a Super Bowl scheduled in their area. Arizona Governor Jan Brewer vetoed a bill Wednesday a bill named the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was anything but. It was designed to restore freedom by allowing businesses to refuse to serve anyone on religious grounds. And in an odd part of this bill, they could even refuse to serve Christians. However, the public outcry has been the most publicized part of this bill. There were people screaming from stem to stern about this bill all over the country, bolstering a business owner's right to refuse service to gays and others on the basis of religion. Basically, this bill, it was most publicized because they could keep gays out of restaurants was the main publication of this bill. But in realization, if you looked at the bill and read it, restaurant owners could also keep blacks out if they didn't agree with your religion. They could refuse service to you. But Brewer finally did veto it. It took her a couple of days to do so amid, as I said, the intense national outcry. But the biggest form of outcry that Brewer and the state of Arizona was under was the threat of the NFL removing next year's Super Bowl, which would have been a hit to the Arizona economy of around $500 million. Now, you talk about a discouragement. That 
was a discouragement that Jan Brewer in the state of Arizona just could not get over. Arizona has hosted two Super Bowls, and the state, like any other, loves the money and the attention that comes with the biggest event in American sports. And on Tuesday, before Brewer's veto, the NFL issued a statement about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it said, Our policies emphasize tolerance and inclusiveness and prohibit discrimination based on age, gender, race, religion, sexual orientation, or any other improper standard. We are following the issue in Arizona and will continue to do so should the bill be signed into law, but will decline further comment at this time. In other words, your intolerable attitude of others may lead us to do something next year the threatening weather wouldn't do this year. Move the biggest marketing event of the NFL season out of your state. Back to that word again that I used earlier. Again. The NFL has already spanked this state once for discrimination. It moved the Super Bowl from Tempe to the Rose Bowl in 1993 because Arizona had still not established a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. The NFL is making one thing perfectly clear. There's no need to play in a state that discriminates. What they did was they pulled a power play on the state of Arizona, and it worked. People tend to use that in politics. They try to use it in business. It's done a lot in sports when they're negotiating out contracts and also trades. But the NFL wasn't alone this time. The National Hispanic Bar Association announced that it would move its 40th annual convention, scheduled for 2015, to Phoenix, and move it to some other location because of this bill. And among the companies rising in opposition, we're just listen to these. This is an all-star lineup. Apple, American Airlines, Marriott, and Delta Airlines. Keep another thing in mind. The NFL has its own discrimination problem now. It landed on their doorstep two weeks ago in the name of Michael Sam. Sam is about to become an NFL player in May, the first openly gay NFL player. That means the NFL has to mind its P's and Q's right away. Standing up to Arizona in the league's eyes has to be a good step. The NFL is saying, in effect, that it won't allow its employees to be discriminated against. They let the state of Arizona know quickly the NFL doesn't need Arizona. Arizona needs the NFL more. Jan Brewer listened and blinked and vetoed the bill. But Major League Baseball has yet to chime in. Now they don't have to. The NFL stood up to the Arizona government, and the Arizona government backed down. It would have been interesting to see what Bud Selig and the Major League Baseball teams would have done under the same type of circumstances. Remember, Major League Baseball has several teams in Arizona, namely the Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants, Chicago Cubs, Texas Rangers, Seattle Mariners, just to name a few. And what would Arizona have done had these teams decided to go back to Florida or some other place to have their spring training? That could have happened. But the NFL stood up, took a stand, and the state of Arizona finally and intelligently stepped down. We're going to be talking with Don Mega and Greg Mitchell in just a few minutes as we're going to go through our 
Oscar predictions, the Academy Award predictions, which will be Sunday night. We're going to be doing that in just a few minutes. But elsewhere in the world of sports, the Cleveland Browns announced the release of longtime starting linebacker DeQuell Jackson on Wednesday, who was the second longest tenured player on the roster. Taken in the second round of the 2006 NFL Draft, number 34 overall, Jackson has played each of his eight seasons with the Browns. He twice led the AFC in tackles in 2008 and 2011, compiling 815 career tackles and 11.5 sacks. He's a standout from the University of Maryland and gained a reputation as one of the biggest voices in the Cleveland locker room, winning the 2011 Ed Block Courage Award. Now, maybe one of the reasons, along with his salary, that he was let go was the fact that Jackson was so outspoken against the team when they fired Rob Chudzinski as head coach in December. Another reason... Jackson was due to count $9.43 million against the cap in 2014, and something had to give. Jackson was due a $4 million roster bonus on March 15th, but with this move, the team saves $8 million in cash and a $5.2 million hit in cap space. It was conceivable the Browns could have restructured Jackson's deal, but the decision to release him now says whatever negotiations they had about a reworked deal, didn't go well. Now, there are a couple of rumors standing out there that say DeQuell Jackson could be headed to Tennessee or to Denver. Now, Denver would make a lot of sense, simply because they need help at the linebacker position, and Tom Heckert is the assistant GM at Denver, and of course he used to be the former GM of the Cleveland Browns. So DeQuell Jackson no longer with the Cleveland Browns as a linebacker. Well, will the Cleveland Cavaliers please stand up, the real team? Kyrie Irving proved last night that he can carry a team on his shoulders, and if you doubt that, just look at the performance he put on in Oklahoma City. Irving scored 14 of his 31 points in the fourth to help the Cavs beat the Thunder 114-104. to Irving also had nine assists, five rebounds, and four steals. It marked the second time this season the Cavs had beaten the Thunder, a team with the best record in the league. Now it's time for the Cavaliers to stand up and prove just what they are. Are they a playoff team? a team that can go into the playoffs on a roll and maybe win a few games and even a series? Or are they a team that is habitually in the lottery? That's the question that all Cleveland fans would like to know. It was Oklahoma City's third straight home loss since the All-Star break. The Thunder lost three games at home the entire season before the break. Jarrett Jack of the Cavs scored 21 points. Spencer Hawes chipped in with 19, and I love Hawes. They got him just prior to the end of the trading deadline last week, and he's been nothing but a great addition for this team. A big, tall center that can stretch the floor from the three-point arc all the way down low. Tristan Thompson also added 11 points and 11 rebounds for the Cavs, who snapped their three-game losing streak. Kevin Durant had 28 points for the Thunder. He also added 10 rebounds and 9 assists. But Russell Westbrook, even though he's putting up good numbers, Seems to be a problem for this team. 
He had 24 points and 9 assists, but Oklahoma City is 0-3 since he returned to the lineup from his latest knee surgery. The Cavaliers went on a six-game winning streak during the All-Star break. Then they lost those three in a row. But on the second night of a back-to-back and another game where they were playing without Anderson Verejao, C.J. Miles, and Deion Waiters, the Cavs managed to garner enough energy and that win in Oklahoma. After the win, the Cavs are now 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, a half a game behind Detroit for the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference, and they're four games behind dropping Atlanta for the eighth, uh, eighth spot I'm sorry, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And they are five games behind Charlotte for the sixth spot. And Cleveland has 23 games left, including Friday night with Utah at home and then Saturday on the road in Memphis. That will be the final gain of four games in five nights. Frankly, and I know a lot of people are going to think that I am nuts in saying this, but I really believe that the best place for the Cavaliers to be for them to end up would be in a spot where they're going to play the Miami Heat in the playoffs. Now, before you go off the deep end, let me explain why. If you think I'm crazy, I think that's their best-case scenario. Do the Cavs have a shot at beating the Heat in the playoffs? No, absolutely not. I don't believe that. But what I'm hoping for is that they can win a game or two. And even if they stay competitive during this entire series, making the Heat work for it. It could convince a certain number six down in Miami that this team in Cleveland is real and worth a shot to take a look at. That's what I'm thinking. So if the Cavaliers can get into the playoffs and face Miami, maybe, just maybe, face-to-face, LeBron James is going to look at this situation and say, hey, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad situation after all. Well, we've got a lot of things going on in tonight's show. Our predictions are coming up here on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along here tonight. the music for the Oscars from last year. Fanfare to Oscar is what it's called. And the 86th Annual Academy Awards are coming up this Sunday night. Ellen DeGeneres is the host. It should be a very interesting time. A lot of great movies are up for Academy Awards. And joining us here this evening is we're going to step away from sports just a little bit. As I've found throughout my years of following sports, a lot of people that love the world of sports, and follow it are also great movie buffs. So what we're going to do is we're going to invite in two movie buffs here this evening, one an expert, one a novice. I'll just tell him that right now. (laughs) He sees a lot more movies than I do. Let's welcome to our UltimateSportsTalk.com microphones here this evening, Don Mega. Don, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing just fine. 
Don, of course, is the host of the entertainment show, Am I on the Air? And he's on Twitter, at DXDonMega. Don, tell us, where can we find your podcast? Where is that at on the Internet? Well, easiest way for you to check me out would be amiontheair.com. Uh, you can check us out right then and there. Uh, usually do a weekly show every Sunday night. Uh, usually put up a new episode uh, about an hour long or so. Uh, always keeping you up on the latest and greatest in all of entertainment news, TV, music, movies, reviews, uh, the whole nine. So, yeah, com. Check out the show. Fantastic. You're going to be our expert here tonight. We're going to rely on you a lot. Now, our second guest here tonight, he sees a lot of movies. Matter of fact, I think he's seen a couple of them this week. Greg Mitchell, of course, the founder and owner of UltimateSportsTalk.com. Greg, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is going to be a fun evening. We're going to look at the the uh, six different categories tonight. The actor and actress in a supporting role, best director, the actor and actress in a leading role, and the best picture. So that's what we want to go over here tonight. Don, really, I want to ask you before we start out and, and give our predictions and why on this 86th Annual Academy Awards, were there any surprise nominations out of those uh, uh, six that you found rather surprising they were nominated for? No, I can't say there are. Uh, you know, especially once the Golden Globes there, that kind of gives you an idea of where they're going to be going for the Oscars. And I think every movie and every director and actor and actress that was nominated uh, is pretty well-deserved. Um, if I had to say... Anything maybe that's not quite deserving, I would maybe say Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle. Uh, I love Jennifer Lawrence, but I didn't think her role was anything all that special to get a nomination for an Oscar out of. Uh, everything else uh, seems pretty common, pretty pretty predictable. Now, out of full disclosure, I've got to admit, I did not see every movie, so I'm going on reviews that I've seen and just what I know about, about each movie. Greg, were you able to see most of the movies, if not all of the ones that are up for nomination? Well, yeah, of the, uh, of the ones that we've talked about that we're going to give predictions on, I've seen uh, everything but uh, Nebraska and um, uh, Captain Phillips. Every other movie that's up for, up for grabs I have seen. Don, how about you? Um, I, yeah, I have not seen Nebraska, actually have no want or need to see Nebraska. Um, <laughs> that, that one, that one does seem a little bit out of the box for me, uh, when it comes down to looking at the rest of the list. Um, I have not seen 12 Years a Slave yet either, so that one's kind of going off of just what I've heard. Uh, I actually have 12 Years a Slave ready to view. I was hoping to have it ready and done before the Oscars, but, uh, time has gotten away from me, so, uh, but I will say, I mean, that, you know, most years when the Oscars come rolling around, I've maybe only seen a couple on the list. Uh, this year definitely, I think, has had the best all-around list to where I, I've seen a majority of them. So I'm kind of proud of myself this year as far as Oscar movies go. I'm more of the uh, the mainstream popcorn flick type of movies uh, for me. So, um, you know, it usually takes a, a certain film to reel me in. But I think this year's had a really good crop of films. Don, was there a movie this year that you saw that you were disappointed didn't get nominated? I was a little disappointed that Prisoners didn't get nominated. Um, that was a movie that was rumored to get some nominations, either for Best Film, uh, Best Actor, maybe for Hugh Jackman. Um, I thought it was an amazing film. 
and I am a little bit surprised that that did not get any nominations. Another one I'd say would probably be Rush, uh, the movie that came out with Chris Hemsworth. Um, it was a NASCAR movie that Ron Howard directed. That was an amazing movie that really got, it was nominated for Best Film for a Golden Globe and then got completely shut out in the Oscars. So, uh, yeah, and then maybe the only other one a little bit out the box would maybe be Fruitvale Station. Uh, that's another one that I uh, heard a lot of hype and, and rumors surrounding it, at least for Michael B. Jordan for Best Actor, and uh, that was shut out of, as well. So those are the main standouts for me that didn't get any novels. Greg, what about you? Any movies or any actor nominations that you were surprised didn't make it? Um, nothing that I'm surprised didn't make it, um, although we'll, when we get into this, I will say that I am surprised that at uh, one of the predictions for uh for one of the one of the top Oscar awards uh who you know who everyone says is is kind of a lock to win and uh I I'm completely surprised by it so we'll touch on that in a bit. All right, well we're going over our Oscar predictions tonight with Don Mega from Am I on the Air, the weekly podcast and also Greg Mitchell, the uh owner and founder of UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have them along here this evening on our show. So let's start out, guys, with mainly how they start out in the Academy Awards. They always give out the awards for the Best Supporting Actor and Actress right off the bat. So let's start with the Best Supporting Role for an Actress. And, of course, the nominations are Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle, Lupita Nyong in 12 Years a Slave, Julia Roberts in August, Osage County, and June Squibb in Nebraska. So out of those five, Don, let's start out with you. Who do you think wins and why for actress in a supporting role? Uh, I'm going to actually go uh, with um, Lupita for 12 Years a Slave. I know I already said I haven't seen the film yet, but um, she... She is just, from what I've heard, knocked it out the park in that film. She's supposed to be one of those, you know, upcoming, can't wait to see what she does next type actresses. She did win the Golden Globe, which, once again, i got to kind of go back to that because it's usually always a little bit of a telltale sign. And, um, you know, I, I just, this category didn't really do anything for me. Uh, some of the categories are so super stacked, and on this one, Nobody truly, truly stands out for me. Now, like, you know, Blue, I didn't see Blue Jasmine and um, August Osage County. You know, I've heard some good things for Julia Roberts on August. Um, I would like, like, and that's where it goes back, out of those actresses, I um, prefer Jennifer Lawrence. But like I said before, she's kind of, I don't really get why she's nominated. I feel like that's more of a, you know, just a popularity kind of contest when it comes to her right now. Um, I didn't think she did much in that movie, and I didn't think she did enough in that movie to garner a nomination. Um, but out of those actresses, she's my favorite, but I think it's going to go to 12 Years of Slave. How about you, Greg? Who would you put up as your winner in that category? Yeah, I've got to agree with Don. I think uh, Lupita Nyong is, is definitely the lock to win. Um, you know, I did see the film, and and uh, I, I think she definitely is the is the quintessential supporting actress. She doesn't have a tremendous role. However, the time that she is on screen is, uh, it just really draws you in. She's very convincing in her role. There's, uh, you know, I, I, 
I have not given anything away by saying this, but there's one scene where um, where she ends up getting whipped um, as a slave, uh, and that scene is uh, probably one of the best scenes uh, that I've seen this year, and uh, and she just was was phenomenal in it. Um, Julia Roberts was was very very good in uh, in her uh, role. She was she was probably um, she was cast for her name I think more than than anything but I I think she did a great job in the role that she played uh, but she uh, she definitely was was no Lupita Nyong this year. Well, I've got to agree with you too that it was very disappointing this year with the uh, actresses in a supporting role category. And, Don, I agree with you also that I like Jennifer Lawrence, and I liked her in that role, but she was in it for only about 15 minutes of the entire movie, and there wasn't much for her to do a lot of supporting of. Um, Julia Roberts I like also from August Osage County, but from for all intents and purposes, I think the winner, and I think you guys have picked it, is uh, Lupita Nyong. Uh, from what I understand in all the reviews, I haven't had an opportunity to see that movie. I have saw uh, the others, but that one there, uh, I was not able to see. But from what I understand, Lupita just put on a great performance, and she's probably going to win. Plus the fact the Academy, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but the Academy always likes some sort of a film that has a, a social speech to it. And I think this is the film this year that has the social speech to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that Let's definitely on, is, is something that the Academy likes. Um, although I, I don't think it's going to be outside of the supporting actress uh, nomination. I don't think it's going to do much this year. Let's move on to an actor in a supporting role, guys. And those that are up for that are five more: uh, Barkhead Abdi in Captain Phillips. Bradley Cooper in American Hustle, Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street, and Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. Before we get into this, I, I've got to say, maybe this is just a personal preference, um, but I was really disappointed in the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch was not put into this as a supporting role for his portrayal of Khan in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. I know that was not a, a film that was uh, widely awarded, but I thought Cumberbatch just did an outstanding job in that role. What did you guys think about that? <laughs> well, yeah, he was he was excellent in Star Trek Into Darkness, and I wish more movies like that would get nominated for Oscars, but uh, you know, I can't say I'm shocked <laughs> that he didn't get a nomination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say, um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, Benedict Cumberbatch actually was in several films over the past year uh, where he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, and I, I think Star Trek uh, was probably the most notable just because of how popular the franchise is. But he had some really, really powerful roles. And, I mean, he had a supporting role in, in August of Osage County. Um, you know, so he, he had other roles that I don't think he was well, well known in. Uh, but, but overall, I'd say that was by far one of the best actors this year. 
Well, Greg, let's start out with you now. What what was your opinion? What's your opinion of who's going to win in the actor for a supporting role? Uh, so I've got to go with Jared Leto. Um, you know, I, I'm i one of the uh, few fans uh, of him from way back in his early career. I remember when he was... Uh, when he was, um, you know, starring in films like uh, the Prefontaine movie, uh, where he played, you know, the historical track athlete, uh, Steve Prefontaine, um, did an excellent job. You know, the film wasn't uh, wasn't well known, but I loved him ever since that. He he has had a very poor career, I'd say overall, uh, but this film uh, really brought him back. Uh, or in some cases gave him a name that most people didn't even know about. So I, I'd say he did a fantastic job. It's definitely an off-color role. Um, you know, he plays a, a transgender, um, you know, and does a lot of the cross-dressing. And so for some of those that have a lot of bias against that type of alternative lifestyle, uh, you know, that's probably not going to appeal to you. But I will say that that, that role he did a fan, fantastic job in. Don, what do you think? Yeah, i got to completely agree. I'm going with uh, Jared Leto on this as well. Um, you know, this is this is a better category than the women. <laughs> um, I mm-hmm. thought uh, Barkhad Abdi was excellent in Captain Phillips. Um, I really like Bradley Cooper in American Hustle. I heard Michael Fassbender is amazing in 12 Years a Slave. Um, I love Jonah Hill. I'm a very big Jonah Hill fan, but he's another one that I don't really feel should have earned an Oscar nom. Um, I didn't think his character was all that. It was it was cool, and I super enjoyed him in Wolf of Wall Street, um, but I didn't feel he did anything crazy special to be nominated for an Oscar. Um, so uh, I have to skip him and therefore leading out uh, Jared Leto. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the Dallas Buyers Club, and I thought he was amazing in it. Uh, another guy who won the Golden Globe already for this role. Um, he, I think he won the SAG Award for this role. Um, it's, it's a great, great performance. Him and, what him and Matthew McConaughey did transformation-wise is so incredible. The story is amazing. Um, he just he killed it. I mean, the guy had retired from acting, and he came out just for this film. That's how important it was. So I really hope he, he gets the shot, and uh, I think he'll take it. Yeah, I've got to make it all three. We're all agreeing so far on these these winners. I've got to go with Leto also. I mean, with what he did, and, of course, the Academy uh, loves roles like that, too, where somebody transforms themselves. That's why I was kind of surprised when it uh, it's going to come down to the best actor role, that McConaughey is not one of the favorites uh, to win that. But I've got to make it a complete sweep here. Don, maybe you can clear something up for me. I've heard a couple of different things. First of all, Lupita Nyong and Barkhad Abdi. From what I understood in a couple of reports, this was actually their first movie role, and they were nominated right away. Um, yeah, I know for... Um Barkhad, that's definitely the case. I'm not sure in Lupita. Um, I think that's the case for her, too, but uh, definitely for uh, Barkhad Abdi, this this was his very first role. They, he was not an actor. He was just a guy that they plucked up, <laughs> you know, like for this film, and he, you know, he was perfect for what they wanted him to do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that is kind of crazy, like straight out the gate to, to, go, to get an Oscar nom like that. So um, pretty amazing. Okay, we're giving our Oscar 
predictions here. And in just a little bit, stick around. We're going to stay with the sports theme tonight where we're going to go over our top five sports movies. That's going to be coming up here in just a little bit. But let's move now into the best director category. And nominated for best director this year is David O. Russell from American Hustle, Alfonso Cuaron from Gravity, Alexander Payne for Nebraska, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, and Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street. Don, let's go back to you and let you lead off in this category. Who's your feeling is going to win for Best Director? Um, i got to go with Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity. Uh, Gravity was the most beautifully shot, uh, realistic movie. <laughs> you know, for being a movie that takes place completely in space, uh, the guy just killed it. Uh, it is such a gorgeous film. And, I mean, I saw this movie in IMAX 3D when it came out, and it made me queasy watching this thing, how realistic it was. I mean, I felt like I was on a ride in Disneyland. Um, you know, I felt like I was floating up there in space with them. And um, it's just such an intense, beautiful movie in the way it was directed. Um, I don't know how you can bet against this guy when it comes to directing. Uh, and, he, and he's up against crazy competition. I mean, David O. Russell's been killing it for the last several years with The Fighter and the Silver Linings Playbook last year and the Now American Hustle. Uh, Steve McQueen, amazing job with 12 Years a Slave. Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese with his biggest hit of his career with The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, some great, great competition. But when it comes down to the physical act of directing, um, that alone, just I, I can't go against Gravity on this one. It was just that was the movie that took my breath away looking at it from a visual standpoint. I get the feeling we're going to differ on this one. So, so, but that's just coming up. Greg, what what was your feeling? Yeah, I've got to go with the same the same winner. Um, so I think you're going to be the only one that differs here. Um, but I, the only comment, I, I totally agree with everything that he just said. The only comment is I, I think that Scorsese should not have been nominated. And the reason why is because I think he needed to cut out about a half hour out of that film, and then he could have been nominated. But other than that, I, I totally agree with everything Don said. Well, I'm going to be... I agree with you on that half hour out of Wolf of Wall Street. That's exactly what I've been saying to everybody. Two and a half hours would have been a sweet spot for Wolf of Wall Street. Three was just a little bit too long. Yeah, exactly. I've got to look at this, guys, and I don't see the hullabaloo about gravity. Yeah, Don, I would tend to agree with you that it was beautifully shot from the fact that, you know, it was portrayed in space. But I thought the premise of this thing was just totally way out of left field and how she could be a non-astronaut, basically just a scientist, that was thrown into this because she was a computer genius and ask her to go bebopping along Earth's atmosphere for for as far as she went and then end up back on Earth, I thought was just totally implausible. I I wasn't then, even sure that, it was the best performance that she ever gave. I understand your point, and I see where you're coming from, but we're not talking about for the movie or the screenplay. We're talking about directing. So you got to look at it from a, just a visual standpoint of the direction of the film, not by the plot. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I totally right agree with you, Don. I think the the big thing there is that you know it's very very hard to to convince actors of what is going to happen when everything is green screen. So they're not. She's not able to see. She and George Clooney and 
they're not able to see everything that's that's actually going on that we see as as the viewer. So to convince and to relay that, relay the vision to the actors when everything that they see is a camera and a green screen, that's that's really really powerful. You guys are making a very persuasive argument. I'll give you credit, but I just when I left the theater out of that movie, I've got to tell you, I was just totally disappointed about. I, I thought it was going to be. You know that a, movie has a ninety-seven percent Rotten Tomato ranking. <laughs> You're in the minority on that one. <laughs> I I know, I know, I am. I was just I was just totally. I guess my my pick for best director has to go to David O. Russell. I think American Hustle was one of the better movies that I well was the best movie that I saw this year. I guess that's going to give away wow. my my prediction for best picture. But you know, growing up in the seventies, guys, I got to tell you, he hit that on the nail. He really took you back, and in the nineteen seventies, Bradley Cooper's look was exactly like a guy in the seventies would look. Christian Bale, I was amazed. If you didn't know that guy was Batman walking into the movie, you'd have no idea that he he played that part. And and just the way the entire story flowed, and when you got about halfway through the movie, one guy that doesn't get any credit for be, even being uh, in the movie, and now his name totally slips my mind. Help me here, guys. He he was the gangster. De Niro? Oh, De Niro, yeah. Oh, De Niro. Him being in that movie, you you never knew he was going to be in it, and he just slid in and slid out of the movie so quickly that if you weren't aware of what was going on, you wouldn't even recognize him. I would say American Hustle uh, was the best director's job this year for David O. Russell. That's my opinion, but you guys are making a very compelling argument for gravity, i got to tell you. Yeah, I mean... You, you know, Got to look at it from just that visual standpoint. I mean, your problem with the movie is the fact that it's far fetched, and there's no way that would have happened with Sandra Bullock. And and you have every right to think that because it is a little far fetched. I mean, my biggest beef with, with Gravity is I feel she should have died. I don't think there should have been a happy ending in that film. You know, there's just really, if you wanted to really keep it real, super realistic, she she should have died in space the way that they set it up to be. So I wasn't a fan of the big happy ending because uh, that was a little stretched out, but. We're talking about direction, and when you just purely look at the direction standpoint of this film and how it was shot and everything, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about screenplay. We're not talking about best overall movie as in, you know, as a whole. We're just talking about direction. So, uh, Yeah, and the, uh, the only other comment I have on Gravity is that whoever the person was that, that cut, edited, and approved the preview for Gravity – needs to be fired because that the preview was god awful i remember sitting in jam-packed theaters and the whole theater just cracking up laughing at that at the preview so i i was very hesitant to see this film because i thought it was just going to be a laughing stock i thought it was going to be a joke for two hours uh but it, it was good it was actually a really good film and don i agree with you if she would have died at the end, I think it would have made it a whole totally different film. Yeah. You know, I, I do, on my show, I do a, a star ranking out of five stars. And I was really on the cusp of giving Gravity five out of five. Um, 
the fact that she survived and did not die at the movie knocked it to a four for me. You know, like I just, I was really, you know, not that I want a big somber ending, but when you have a movie that for an hour and a half she's struggling to just survive, you know, and like you said, everything's crumbling down on top of you and she's trying to get across from one, you know, place to another and then, and then it's in another language and she's just tapping buttons and somehow that made the, the little rescue ship shoot down into Earth. Uh, you know, even if she would have got back to Earth and then how she got out of the escape pod and then almost drowned because she was so weighted down, if she would have yes. even drowned at that point, I would have been better with that ending uh, of coming so close to being back. Um, you know, and so I was just, yeah, that did take me out of it a little bit that she that she survived the thing. And I don't, I don't understand why they went with the big super happy ending because it was such a realistic, good film. And then, I, you know, they, I feel like no. I don't know if the original script would have ended like that. I feel like that's something where somebody, uh, some studio head kind of chimed in and said, you know what, let's have the happy ending on this one, and they kind of switched it up. Um, but that's my only beef about the film. I thought the film was excellent, and like I said, beautifully shot. Everybody was amazing in it. I, I liked what George Clooney did. I thought Sandra Bullock was amazing in it. Um, it, it, it was That movie truly took my breath away. That was one film that... I was telling everybody, you got to see this in the theater. You know, that's a movie that just came out on Blu-ray this week, and I already mm-hmm. bought it, but it's going to have 50% of the effect on on the TV, on the TV <laughs> screen than mm-hmm. it did in the theater and IMAX. You know, so that was definitely. Well, I'll watch it again. Experience. You know, I'll I'll watch it again. And, and here's here's my last point on it. You know, never underestimate the power of a green booklet and a George Clooney hallucination. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess that'll save your life. I'm just glad he was a hallucination because when he popped back up, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> you made That's out. what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I was happy that that ended up really truly being a hallucination. Our guests here tonight: Don Mega of MI on the Air and Greg Mitchell from Ultimate Sports Talk. Let's uh, take a look. Move into the actress in a leading role category, gentlemen, and those nominees. For actress in a leading role are Amy Adams from American Hustle, Kate Blanchett from Blue Jasmine, Sandra Bullock in Gravity, Judy Dench in Philomena, and Meryl Streep in August Osage County. Greg, let's start with you. Let's hear your pick. Okay, so this is the one that I'm a little upset about uh, that I alluded to a little earlier. So everything that I'm hearing is that Kate Blanchett appears to be a lock to win this. And I saw Blue Jasmine, and, uh, you know, I, I have to say the film was uh, was not that great, but she did a great job in her role. She she did a, a fantastic job. But I, I definitely don't think that she deserves to win this. If you saw August Osage County, uh, Meryl Streep is just tremendous. She She makes the entire movie go. And, uh, and, and I say she should have been, and I hope she is, a lot to win this. And it kind of pisses me off, too, because fucking Meryl Streep can play any role that she possibly can think of, and I think she'd win an Academy Award, because she's just that damn good. But, uh, but she definitely is deserving. She should be the one that wins. I hope she's the one that wins. Okay, Don, your pick. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting category as well. Um, we will differ for the first time on this one. Um, I'm going to actually go with Amy Adams for American Hustle. Um, I, I, I feel like Greg does. I, I feel like 
Kate Blanchett is going to walk away with this one. Um, same thing from everything I hear. She's the lock here. And uh, I didn't see Blue Jasmine. I really had no want to see Blue Jasmine. I'm not going to say Kate Blanchett isn't awesome. Um, but I don't – I don't know. I just – I don't – I don't, I, it's hard to fight that when you hear so, so much saying she's going to walk away with this. Um, as much as we just talked about Gravity and as much as I loved it, I don't think Sandra Bullock deserves anything off of it. Um, you know, Meryl Streep, that's another hard one to bet against because she can always knock it out the park and, and she could easily take this. But, you know, for me, I, you know, it's funny because I know you were just saying that you, lo- that you loved American Hustle and that was your, your pick. Uh, for best directing from David O. Russell, I actually didn't care for <laughs> American Hustle all that much. Um, I think it's a super overrated movie. Um, but I thought Amy Adams was incredible in the film. She had me locked. Um, just every scene she was in, I was connected. I was just intrigued. But it was I was really only locked in when she was on screen. You know, maybe it was the DB dresses she was wearing the whole movie. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she just, she had me. I thought she was incredible in uh, American Hustle. So I, I have to roll with Amy Adams in this one. You know, I, I looked at this category and Amy Adams, Judy Dench, and Meryl Streep, I have never seen give a bad performance. I've seen a bad performance out of Kate Blanchett. And Sandra Bullock has given bad performances, although I, I think she's given a lot of good ones. So I kind of eliminated Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett right away just by thinking that. Now, I had the same thing that you did, Don, when I saw American Hustle. When Amy Adams was on the screen, you were just mesmerized at what she was doing, especially with Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is one of the, one of the best actors we have. Meryl Streep I just love, but Judy Judy Dench to me is is just an amazing actress. That being said, Greg, I'm going with you. I think Meryl Streep deserves to win it. I, I think in the clips that I've seen, she's been mesmerizing. And and I think uh, I, I would be happy if, if Meryl Streep and Amy Adams actually walked away with a co-Oscar. I, I'd be happy with that. But I'm gonna, since we've got to pick one, I'm going to pick Meryl Streep. Nobody's going to argue okay. with me. <laughs> <laughs> can't really argue with it. <laughs> oh, okay. Let, let's move into an actor in a leading role. And out of those, here are the nominees. Christian Bale in American Hustle. Bruce Dern in Nebraska. Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street. I always have a problem with this name, guys, so forgive Chuetel me. Chiwetel Chiwetel. 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 Engine flow, okay. <laughs> Twelve Years a Slave. And Matthew McConaughey, I could say that one. Dallas Buyers Club. Don, we're coming back to you. Since you can pronounce that guy's name, you get the dibs on first choice. Uh, this, this one's hard. This one's really, really hard when it comes down to it. I, uh, I, I could roll with almost every single one of these except for Bruce Dern. Um, you know, I don't want to be the hater here, but I don't I don't see why Bruce Stern is nominated in this category. I didn't think Nebraska was anything all that special. Um, Christian Bale, amazing in American Hustle. Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't I am I actually and I get beat up for this all the time, but I am not a Leo fan. I don't like Leo. 
I don't think he's done very good films. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, there's something about him. I only like a handful of things. You're not the done. king of the world? Uh, yeah, he's just, he's just not my cup of tea. But I really, really enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street, and I thought he was incredible in it, so I will give him his props for this film. Uh, Chiwetel, I, fe- I feel, is probably the standout in this category to win if I had to go with what I think the Academy is going to do for 12 Years a Slave. And Matthew McConaughey, of course, so incredible for Dallas Buyers Club. So I'm really struggling here because there's like five different ways I could go with this. Um, if I had to really go with what I personally enjoyed the most, I would give it personally probably to Leonardo DiCaprio for Wolf of Wall Street. Um, he was just so good in this film. And like I said, and for me, who's not a Leo fan, I think that that shows something because he actually locked me into a film and made me enjoy his performance. Um, uh, it's really tough. Between Leo and Matthew, I, I'm really struggling, honestly, with this category because I thought Matthew McConaughey was so amazing in Dallas Buyers Club. And I'm not a big Matthew McConaughey fan either, but it's been definitely his year. And even his cameo role in Wolf of Wall Street was incredible. Um, but, you know, the transformation that he did uh, to play this guy with AIDS in, in Dallas Buyers Club was was so just knocked it out the park. A very, very good good role. Um, so between Leo and Matthew, those are my my top two. Um, I think Chiwetel is going to take it, honestly, from the Academy. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably give it to Leo. Greg, what do you think? Okay, so we're definitely going to differ again. Um, <laughs> um, all right, let's start with 12 Years of Slave. So the, the thing that made this a really powerful movie was the story and the events that happened. Uh, he, he, in my opinion, was replaceable. Uh, he was, he was good, but he was replaceable. He wasn't as, um, he, he didn't draw you in. It wasn't until the events started to happen that it really drew you in to, to the story. So I, I don't think that he, I think he deserves to be nominated, uh, but I don't think he deserves to be uh, the, the winner. Um, Matthew McConaughey. So Matthew McConaughey, um, in my opinion, essentially played Matthew McConaughey, who was sick. Um, I, I didn't see, a, other than his physical transformation, I didn't see a lot of difference. Um, he it, it just, okay, it's Matthew McConaughey on the screen. That, that I didn't, so I wasn't, I wasn't extremely thrilled, uh, with his performance. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, you know, good, just, just not great for me. I, my, my prediction is actually Christian Bale. And the, the reason why is not only the, the difference in the look, but every single word that came out of his mouth I was on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happened. And and he just had me hooked the entire time. Um, I, I love the movie. I differ from, from Don here. I love the movie. But Amy Adams wasn't what did it for me. Uh, it was it was Christian Bale that, that really got me hooked on this film. Uh, so I, I think based on his performance, he definitely deserves to win. Well, in, in my opinion... I think Bruce Dern was nominated just simply as a Lifetime Achievement Award, but they could have 
just giving him a lifetime achievement award. I, I kind of threw Leonardo DiCaprio out of this just because he was a cartoon character, and I think the Academy doesn't like cartoon characters. So then it came down to Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, and, and Chai Weddle. Um, I, I really think Chai Weddle is going to win this category, but I'm going to say, I, in my opinion, who deserves it, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Christian Bale with Matthew McConaughey a close second. The problem with these three, trying to pick from these three, is Chai Weddle is in a movie that's got the the social speech, as we were talking about before. But the Academy also likes two other things, or one other thing, a transformation of somebody. Christian Bale gained about 50 pounds to play this role. Matthew McConaughey lost about 50 pounds to play his role. So I think those two are going to cancel each other out, and I think Chai Weddle is going to win the award. That that's my guess. Hey, before we get into the the best movie category, guys, we were going to go over our top five sports movies of all time. And Greg, I'm going to let you lead off this category. Just just give us your top five from one through five as to what you think the best sports movies were of all time. All right, I'm not going to rank them in any order. I'm just going to tell you what my top five are. I'd say Hoosiers, Field of Dreams. Um, I want to go with Remember the Titans. <clears throat> Let's see. And now I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, go ahead and give us yours. Uh, sure. Um, mine was, I had to really think about this because I'm actually not the biggest sports fan. So um, a lot of these sports films don't really connect with me. Um, so some of mine are more, uh, I guess, comedies and stuff in there. But for me, some of the standouts, I'm a big wrestling fan, so The Wrestler uh, is a movie, and I'm gonna, not going to rank on the name particular order either. I'm just going to, um, so The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, uh, amazing film uh, that I have on there. Kind of almost tied along with, uh, I also wanted to mention Gridiron Gang uh, with The Rock. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Play It to the Bone, uh, but that's a movie, a boxing movie uh, with Antonio Banderas and uh, Woody Harrelson that I just have always, always loved. Uh, the Replacements uh, with Keanu Reeves, another football movie. Um, mm-hmm. Longest Yard <laughs> with uh, Adam Sandler. And um, I, I, my number one, and I'm going to group this as a series, is going to be the Rocky, uh, all six Rocky movies kind of just together in one. Uh, Rocky has to stand out for me as the top when it comes to sports films. Now, did you like The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler better than the one with Burt Reynolds, the original? You know, to be honest, I didn't even see the Burt Reynolds one. So I was oh, first exposed gosh. to it with the um, Adam Sandler film, uh, which Burt Reynolds was in. So, you yes, know. he was. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, <laughs> my top five were fairly easy. Of course, the all-time my all-time favorite has got to be Rocky. Field of Dreams was number two. Hoosiers, three. Remember the Titans, I, I thought was just outstanding, number four. But I could not get away from putting this one in the top five. I had to go with Caddyshack. Cat, <laughs> Caddyshack, to me, was just one of the greatest sports movies of all time. But there's our top five uh, to stay with the sports that's team for everybody. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. You know, yeah. hey, that was a good one, too. And Apollo Creed was in it. And there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm really oh. surprised nobody said North Dallas 40. 
Well, I, I thought about that, that one too. That's a that's a, a while ago, but that mm-hmm. was a really really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it it's a very good one. Okay, this takes us into our last category of the night, guys. Best picture. And Don, can you tell us why they ever stopped going with just five and they started just putting in everybody? It's because they're putting in everybody. Now, this is really complicated, so I can't get into all the specifics on it, but it's not always going to be nine films. Like, basically what they do is they all the registered Oscar voters, they all vote, and then it's like all the movies that were tied for number one automatically gets a nomination, and then they move on to the number two and the number three, so forth. It's just based on how many votes a film gets, and if they reach a certain criteria, then it gets added to it. So... That's why some years are five, some years are seven, some years are nine. Like it's really just based on the votes from the academy. So uh, it's it's not that they're just throwing in every film. It's just these are the these are the films that got enough votes to qualify from the Oscar committee. Okay, well here we go with the list of nominees for Best Picture: American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska. Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, and The Wolf of Wall Street. And, Don, we're going to lead off with you. Um, you know, I like a lot of these. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I liked, I didn't love American Hustle. Uh, I thought Captain Phillips was a great film. Dallas Buyers Club was excellent. Uh, Gravity, as much as I talked about how amazing Gravity was, I don't really think it should have been nominated for best film because, uh, you know, the dialogue part of it isn't anything to, to run home about. Um, you know, I, I think Best Director and stuff like that was definitely worth it, but I don't know about overall Best Film. Um, her, I, I, I'm sorry, and I don't know what you guys thought about Her, but I thought Her was one of the worst films I've ever seen. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. Um, not, I, I thought all the acting in it was great, but I just I just don't get this film at all. Like, I hated this film. Um Wolf of Wall Street I loved and, and uh like I said I didn't see Nebraska or Philomena, uh but Twelve Years a Slave. Uh so once again, if I have to go based off of what I'm hearing and and from just positive word of mouth and, and what I'm feeling is gonna be the takeaway from here, I think that the takeaway is gonna be Twelve Years a Slave. Um I think they're gonna take best film of the year. Um if I have to pick one based on what I've seen. Now, like I said, I unfortunately didn't get to see 12 Years of Slave in time. Um, but if out of what I've seen, uh, I would probably go... I'd probably go Dallas Buyers Club. Um, I kind of want to go Wolf of Wall Street, but I know uh, even though you guys kind of mentioned it earlier, just kind of uh, the cartoony aspect of it, I don't, I don't think the Academy, as good of a movie as it is, I don't think the Academy is going to run with a movie that's really focused on drugs and sex and you know everything else and money laundering and all that kind of stuff. I don't I don't feel that they're going to run with it. I think it deserved the nomination, but I don't think they're going to actually give the award to it. it. You know, I'd probably say out of this list I enjoyed The Wolf of Wall Street probably the most besides Gravity that I don't feel should have qualified. Um Captain Phillips Kevin Phillips is a great movie, and but I feel like the biggest tension of the film, where it started to get into that Oscar territory for me, was more towards the end of the film. So as a, as a whole, I don't think it holds up. Um, so 
like I said, I think this, I think the Academy is going to give it to 12 Years a Slave. If I had to give it to one, I'd probably do Dallas Buyers Club. Okay, Greg, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they're, you know, because I don't think that uh, he's going to win for Best Actor, uh, I think they're going to end up ultimately giving the, the best movie to 12 Years a Slave. Um, but I will say that uh, if it were me, my vote would have been American Hustle. Uh, I was just, I was locked into it from start to finish, loved the film. Um, you know, the others were okay for me, but, uh, but American Hustle was, was by far my favorite. Uh, so I've got to go with that one, but I ultimately, I think the Academy is going to go with 12 Years Slave. Greg, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, in my opinion, American Hustle, and I alluded to that earlier, that I think that's the best picture of the year, but I think the Academy will end up giving it to 12 Years a Slave. Don, before we go, I've got to ask you this. Ellen DeGeneres is going to be the host. How, how do you think she'll do? And who's your favorite host of all time? Uh, I think she'll do good. I mean, I think Ellen knows how to fight the pressure and uh, and put on a decent show. Um, you know, best host is a hard thing, man. Like, you know, for me it's not, especially on like an Oscar type thing, I don't think host is something that really reels me in. Um, you know, like on the Golden Globes are more relaxed. I think uh, you thought Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did an amazing job. And I wish that the Oscars would loosen up and do something a little bit along those lines. Um, you know, if I had to go with somebody, it would probably be like Billy Crystal or something. Um, but, yeah, I think Ellen will do a, a sufficient job. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I uh, I agree. Billy Crystal is by far my favorite, and I think, um, you know, Ellen should probably come out dressed up as Billy Crystal uh, to, to start out the show. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. It would start it off the right way, and then she could get back into doing doing her normal thing. But, uh, but yeah, Billy Crystal, he, he is the host, in my opinion. Nobody else compares. You know, I would love to see these two hosted sometime, Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. I think those two hosting the awards, Anne Hathaway without James Franco and Hugh Jackman, I think they'd be great. I think Hugh Jackman doing anything. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, really appreciate your time tonight. Don Mega from, he's hosting the entertainment show, Am I on the Air? You can catch him on Twitter at DX Don Mega, D O N M E G A. Don, thanks for joining us tonight and lending your expertise to this category. Thank you, it was a blast. Hey, oh, and then before, before he drops off, I just want to say that, uh, you know, one of my favorite podcasts over the over the uh, the last year and a half has been uh future endeavors it's a it's a pro wrestling podcast uh that don did with uh with the co-host and uh unfortunately this past sunday was their last show uh that they did but i i think that was that was a an amazing podcast um and and i really really enjoyed it big fan big fan so uh don thank you so much for uh for having that show and uh, continuing on with MI on the air, I uh, just love what you guys are doing and glad that you could be a part of uh, what we're doing with Ultimate Sports Talk. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I mean, Future Endeavors, a big you know, big chunk of the last several years. We, we were doing that show almost four years, 
and uh, you know, right on the cusp of about 200 episodes. Um, you know, and I hate I hate that we had to end it. Um, it's just one of those things where you know life kind of catches up to you sometimes, and you got to make some sacrifices. And you know, doing a show with two other people, there's three of us doing that show, and scheduling conflicts, and you know, oh, I'm busy this weekend, and I'm not free this night, and I'm not this, and I actually just had a baby a couple months ago, and you know, it just life is just flipping upside down right now. So it's kind of you know, it was just hard to do it on a consistent weekly basis. So we ended up having to you know do what's best for business, and uh, you know, kind of shut shut down shop for a little bit. I hope that we'll come back here and there and maybe do some specials, maybe something for Mania and, you know, as big stuff happens, I would love to come back and do something special. Um, but, you know, uh, had to keep, you know, we were doing MI on the air on top of it too. So, I mean, that was two shows every week, about four hours worth of programming and it just, it kind of gets taxing. So, uh, continuing to do MI on the air, love bringing the entertainment news to you guys and, you know, that's why I, I'm actually doing that show by myself right now, which allows me just a little bit more freedom to kind of record on my own schedule when I have the time and uh, and then get that posted. So that's why we, I'm keeping that one running along. But uh, I appreciate all the support and all the love, you know, for future endeavors. And, yeah, our, our last episode, the episode was called End of an Era. We just did it Sunday. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour episode, and uh, we've been getting great positive feedback on it, and it's definitely bumming me out with all the people that are like, man, we miss you guys already. So, uh, you know, like I said, I hope to be back at some point. But thank you so much for the for the love and the support on Future Endeavors. I really appreciate that. Well, congratulations well, on that. Greg, thanks for joining us tonight. Also, the founder and owner of UltimateSportsTalk.com. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And that's going to do it for tonight's show. Of course, I uh, want to thank Don Mega of Am I On The Air. That's at amiontheair.com. And also Greg Mitchell, the founder and host of, of course, this website, ultimatesportstalk.com. Most of all, our thanks to you for listening here this evening. We've had a lot of fun going over our Oscar predictions this evening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week at 7 o'clock and talk to you more about the world of sports here on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks for joining us this evening. Until next Thursday night at 7, have a good week, and have a good weekend, everyone. Talk to you next week. Good night.